0: Welcome Actastic listeners, we are back with yet another episode of the Accelerate podcast series. I'm your host, Sujit Janardhanan. In our previous episodes, we deep dived into topics at the core of how the agriculture industry can thoughtfully accelerate digital transformation, as we focus on delivering impact today and building for the future. With today's episode, we start a journey into a subject and an area expected to accelerate the need and adoption of digital technologies sustainability in agriculture. Food and agriculture production systems worldwide face unprecedented challenges from increasing demand for food for a growing population, rising hunger and malnutrition, adverse climate change effects, over-exploitation of natural resources, loss of biodiversity, and food loss and waste. These challenges can undermine the world's capacity to meet its food needs now and in the future. Agriculture and food systems are unsustainable if they fail to benefit those whose livelihoods depend on them. And these systems rely on outdated methodologies and technologies. Adopting new technologies and integrating them into every step of the agri-value chain can transform agriculture into a sustainable industry. And we must embrace such technologies, practices, and policies promoting environmental stewardship, social equity, and economic viability. Explore how technology acts as a catalyst in in driving sustainable agriculture practices, promoting efficiency, reducing environmental impacts, and fostering resilience. We shall touch upon these and various other aspects of sustainability, including ecological, economic, and social dimensions, and assess the role of technology in addressing these challenges. And to kickstart this series of conversations focused on sustainability in agriculture, I have with me today, Dr. Praveen Pantajakshan, who is a sustainable farming practitioner himself, and also leads the AI Labs team at Crupin, helping us build solutions that can help customers in the agricultural ecosystem. Welcome, Praveen. Super excited to have this conversation. Something that I'm looking forward to learn a lot from too.
1: Hi, Sujit. Thank you so much, and uh, super excited uh, myself as well. And really wonderful to uh, you know kickstart this new conversation, which is really uh, close to my heart as well.
0: I- I'm looking forward to it, Praveen. And- and I know when we when we when we call out a topic like sustainability, it's like opening up Pandora's box. There's so much to to really uncover and and peel and learn and unlearn, uh, especially when you put it in context of agriculture. I'm I'm sure we won't be able to cover all of that in this one conversation, but this is the beginning of the the conversation series around sustainability in agriculture, and no one better than you. Um, so let's let's get started, so our audience can can probably learn a a bit from your own experience, especially as you've seen how this particular sector is is looked at sustainability and has been trying to integrate sustainability practices uh, over the years. And you've been able to see this firsthand. So my first question really, Praveen, is as, as we navigate this critical conversation around sustainability in agriculture, it's apparent that this sector significantly influences and is also profoundly influenced by sustainability initiatives. And you work with various stakeholders in this sector over the years. How have you seen this sector evolve and how it has been preparing to integrate sustainability programs and initiatives?
1: Right, right. Um, So there is like uh, so um, as you also rightly pointed out, like uh, uh, you know, my journey in this uh, started many years back. and uh and there are a few early practitioners who were, of course uh early in the journey who realized that agriculture as uh, it is um, needs some perspective changes so they had early adopters uh you wouldn't believe even 20 years back but these were very few right and um, i have learned a lot from them um, and adopted some of those practices in my own farm um, and, but these were a fringe, uh, minority, right. And there were very, very few people, uh, and, uh, uh, who were discussing about sustainability in agriculture. And, um, now we actually see that a lot of, uh, you know, that has come to the mainstream, not only in this part of the world, but globally. Um, and, um, and the reason, one of the primary reason is that, I mean, I, I, I can, I, I can take like three uh, positions right one as a farmer myself as a consumer and also somebody coming from um, you know uh, the technology background um, so i i have the i can wear all of these three lenses and tell you that in all of these three areas it has touched uh, very much and primarily like now consumers uh, themselves want to understand where their uh, food is coming from so Earlier, it was not uh, something. Uh, earlier, it was something which was discussed, uh, you know, off the main topic. But now, it's like uh, it's taking center stage because um, because consumers would like to know where their food is uh, getting produced from. They want like uh, transparency uh, in and and to know actually the farmers who produce and what are the practices that they are following, right? And not many, there are not many consumers who, you know, uh, who actually like uh, just want to come and say, OK, no, I don't care where it is or what the type of food is produced and what are the practices. Right now, they want to know, like, what goes inside it like. Uh, so that's like changing at the, at the consumer level. But uh, even at uh, farming practice level, now what we are seeing is that. Um, Uh, We have limited amount of, uh, you know, resources also and the earth's resources itself. Right. And with the result that uh, we are seeing that we are putting a lot of pressure on the earth's resources. So and farmers are the first ones who are actually to perceive that, that they are seeing that, uh, you know, they are pushing the boundaries of production in their own farm. But over a period of time, it is saturating, and then uh, it's reducing as well, right? So they are asking themselves the question: Why is that happening? Why are they not able to push that further, right? Um, so, and hence the qu- question on like, how do I produce my food sustainably, sustainably? But not only that, but even to regenerate my own um, my own soil and water, right? Like. Um, so that's the trend that I'm seeing right now, because farmers senses are perceiving 10 years back, 15 years back, it was not the case because the yield levels were increasing right, perpetually. And but then now people realize that you, there is only a certain level that you can go to. Right. So uh, with the result that people are looking at integrated farming, they're looking at integrating both cattle and uh, trees. Uh, cover crops um, you know and reducing the tillage increasing the biodiversity they are realizing that all of these not only the seed genetics but all of the other elements also becomes an important element in uh, producing food um, and catering to the growing population right and also the quality of food um, so that's that's a general trend sujit
0: which is great and 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 that kind of brings me to the the second question which is around sustainable agriculture methodologies and practices right as in uh, i would love you to share what are some of these practices that have recently emerged and and do you see a role of technology and data in being able to augment and fortifying these practices for stakeholders in the agri agri ecosystem not uh, not just for the grower community but also the uh, ag ecosystem
1: players who work with the grower communities. Right, right. So Sujit, um, so one of the thing which is uh, kind of like emerging also is that, uh, which we have also seen, is that uh, farmers are, uh, even in uh, the global north, right, they are finding that, uh, you know, when they are tilling the soil and when they are applying machinery, Uh, it is actually compacting the soil so they're looking at ways in which to reduce the tillage and uh, hence reducing also the amount of uh, soil erosion that is happening so that's one uh, how to minimize the tilling and still um, not impacting on the the production right Uh, not only the current production but future production also so Um, So tillage, minimum tillage is something that uh, I see emerging everywhere and especially when people who are interested in soil conservation, right? Um, The other uh, thing that is uh, emerging as I mentioned is also not only looking at uh, monocrops but uh, you know adding more crops. Now this is one uh, thing that we found uh, in, uh, in certain regions. So uh, with our field visits, we found that certain farmers had, uh, in 2018, had experienced flooding, and so their uh, soil had been heavily degraded. So certain crops, you know, were uh, were favorable to the de- in, to grow in the degraded soil, but certain other crops were could not be grown. You know, when they were using mixed cropping, you know, like they could actually uh, see also that it, there is not a dependency on one single crop so uh you know the and when there are price fluctuations in the market also they could depend on other crops as well right like and so um that also has a that has a good implication not only for the farmer but also on the environment uh, so when we do this kind of like uh multi cropping right uh, so uh, the uh, the presence of multiple crops also <clears throat> ensures that the you know the soil nutrients one crop uh, kind of like uh, helps in fixing the soil, nitrogen and while and, you know, the crop rotation and everything, right? Crop rotation is popular, but even uh, having like accompanying plants, which can help with the growth of one plant. Right. Um, And also future, uh, you know, till uh, putting that back into the soil and pushing back the nutrients. So these are things which are, which are kind of uh, emerging along with a lot of agroforestry use cases. Uh, where um, farmers have now like you know be- began to invest in uh in planting trees you know so they are looking at long terms as well right um so uh, and and the tree leaves the residue and everything could be pushed back into the soil so you're also sequestering the uh, soil uh, the the or the atmospheric carbon back into the soil so that's uh, these are trends and you know like and more and more farmers are reducing uh, they're just not, uh, they're pushing back the residue also back into the soil so that the soil can regenerate, right? So soil, there is a lot of conversation centrally around soil as well, and the need to augment the health of the soil. And coming back to your second question on data itself, like um, um, in that, like there is obviously like uh, as we speak, there is enormous uh, uh, improvement in data capture itself, data acquisition. So we can see that there is uh, in-field data, like there are sensors. Earlier, we used to have like uh, soil testing used to be restricted to laboratory, you know, and it used to be uh, very, uh, uh, very strenuous process. Now, there are uh, in-field uh, testing uh, sensors as well. I'll bet it's limited, you know, in its capability of what can be tested, but still, uh, those are there, and uh, so that's an emerging trend. And the other is. Um, obviously, like with at field level, it's possible to capture a lot of information. But even at uh, you know at higher altitudes, right? like uh, drones and um, we are seeing a lot of utilization of drones for uh, collective farmers um, and uh, satellite images, it's improving in its resolution and the kind of modality we are seeing. we are seeing. Lidar imaging, we are seeing hyperspectral coming in. You know, even multispectral and optical data, it's becoming coming at a higher resolution and higher spectral and spatial resolution, right? And uh, temporal frequency, multiple right. uh, you know, temporal frequency. So these are wonderful emerging areas,
0: which is great. And 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 I wanted to probably double click um, mm-hmm. on on how uh, both this. The access to technology and the ability to be able to aggregate and collect data from the field can truly help in the pursuit of sustainable agriculture. Could you provide some insights on how farmers or agribusinesses or even policymakers can harness this data to make well-informed decisions and enhance the farming methods that they are driving for adoption with the grower communities that they engage with?
1: Right, right. Um, so one thing, uh, there is a lot of things that is happening, even with respect to technology, right? And um, many of these, uh, you know, earlier satellite data, um, it was restricted to very few. Uh, and it used to be very expensive. And these days, because it's publicly funded satellite uh, um, launching and also its operations. So uh, these have been um, available freely right now. With the result that uh, you know, availability of multi resolution, um, uh, sorry, uh, medium resolution, uh, multispectral, uh, data is now ubiquitous, you know, that's one thing, right. Which has changed the game. Um, so you can actually like measure, uh, monitor, validate, uh, and report, um, you know, right now at larger scale, which was earlier restricted to a few, right. The other major trend that is happening is in terms of the processing of the data, you know, and uh, the kind of tools that are available. Now, more and more, the community is moving towards open source, and there is a humongous amount of tools that are readily available for anybody to take uh, this data and, like, uh, you know, at least get some meaningful insights, you know. If there is a, you know, in, in within Cropin, we have built a whole process around it. Obviously, I'll not go into the details of it. There is a lot of processing that is involved. But at least at a first view, you know, it's possible at least to download and visualize and, uh, you know, see um, the satellite data and images, right? So that is changing. And, uh, you know, the whole community um, is coming together to uh, build tools in this area sharing and, uh, you know, crowdsourcing of information is uh, so much happening. And so the whole idea is now putting all of these different elements together along with uh, the recent emerging areas of, so there is data, there is technology, the availability of technology computing uh, has become like an, um, has now moved to from in-prems to cloud right and but also the whole aspect of model building and um, and deployment and you know bringing insights into that right so there is a lot of uh, scientific uh, effort that is going into modeling itself and that's being you know that's also like a very emerging trend and so um, and there is a humongous recent uh, you know in the past decade or so uh, changes in uh, in AI itself right and something that we didn't foresee um, 10 years back in our ability to accurately like uh, you know uh, detect for example crops and yield forecast and things that you know those are things which are now happening and possible right so there is a lot of things that's going on in machine learning computer vision and AI uh, which uh, which helps us harness all of this data and and also compute uh, power, right? So, um, so that's that's uh, generally uh, the trend. Um, and with respect to what is available for policymakers now, you know, um, the fact that there is this readily um, consumable data, or insights, right, and intelligence that's available uh, at both at farm level, you can have, and at regional level. Now that has resulted in. Um, so now we cannot for example, say that what is not going on, we don't know what's going on in a particular region, right? So it's possible to know like what the trends are. You know, we we have access to weather data, for example. I forgot about weather data. We have uh, access to weather data, not only like past historical reanalysis analysis data, but uh, also at, uh, you know, future forecasting, right? 15-day uh, in advance itself, we can forecast weather. <clears throat> now that's becoming you know, more and more people are working to make make it more and more accurate and even forecast it for a longer duration, right? Um, so while that is happening, so, you know, like now uh, we can know at regional level, like, you know, once, for example, the season starts, you know, even if there is a delay in the season because of uh, monsoon onset and things that, we can know, like, what's the progress of the farmers, you know, how much are sowing, how much are what's the progress in different regions right now for policymakers, this becomes important because it's, you know, now there is also data available and they can know like what kind of crops is getting grown. What are the practices that people are following? Is there like, for example, intrusion into forestry area, right? Like deforestation. Um, and these are things which can be monitored. Which means that policymakers can now also, like uh, you know, uh, incentivize farmers. You know, one uh, big area which I'm looking forward to something uh, in the near near future, at least, uh, is uh, is global trends on um, carbon um, incentivization. Right. So earlier we we used to incentivize farmers on yield and produce, but that is changing, and you know now we have to incentivize farmers not only on the final produce, but also the way that they are growing, right? So because um, almost 28 percentage of the soil organic carbon comes only from small land holding farmers. So um, that means that if policymakers incentivize not only the end produce that they're they getting, right, the yield, but also in the ability of the farmers to sequester the, um, the atmospheric carbon, you know. Now that can become a big game changer, right? Um, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, and those are pretty interesting insights, uh, uh, Praveen. And, and that kind of also brings me uh, to refer to a, a recent article that, that you published uh, on, on how climate-smart agriculture can help us tackle uh, global food insecurity. And in, right. and in that article, you actually emphasize that efforts to promote sustainability and climate resilience uh would be incomplete without incorporating smallholder farmers uh into the overall framework and, and mechanism. Could you provide some insight for ecosystem players who interact with uh these smallholder farmers at scale on how they can ascertain and facilitate the adoption of sustainable farming practices amongst these farmers.
1: Right, right. So there, there is a lot of uh, lot of room to play there actually um on so my main take on that is one of the uh, you know heroes of uh, you know climate change and environment truly is the small holding farmers and i think it's really underestimated how much they're contributing for example i talked about soil organic carbons uh, so, i'm sorry uh, atmospheric uh, carbon sequestration right um, but they they are also uh, victims of uh, you know climate change and uh, you know if we want to secure our future food produce as well. It's very important that farmers uh, continue to do what they're doing and do better, right? And the problem is that uh, uh, with the climate change, the weather the weather is evolving and hence like you know our earlier models on start and end of season and what can be sown in uh, under those climatic conditions, you know is changing, you know. Um, so, for example, there are certain players who have come to us and said like, you know, we used to grow potato in certain regions and now we find that because of, uh, you know, like, for example, in February, there was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, sudden heat wave that happened. And, you know, we all also saw about in certain regions, we saw six to seven degrees uh, higher, uh, you know, temperature, uh, night temperature. in in many parts of uh, India, right? Not only in India, but we are also seeing this elsewhere as well, right? Uh, Europe and US also, we have seen a heat wave going on. Now, the result is that the difference between the night and the day temperature has narrowed down, you know? So the the crop doesn't get uh, time to regenerate itself in the night because night also it becomes very hot, right? so with the result that we saw that potato farmers had like heat-related necrosis, you know, so they could get the yield, but the, the yield produced, the quality was lower. So this we have not only really seen with potato farmers, but also with wheat, you know, during certain stages of the wheat when there is heat wave, now we have seen that also. Now the question is like, uh, the question is, how, first of all, in those regions, you know, maybe there is a there might be a case to move to other uh, crops, right? Like, uh, because if that trend continues, then you cannot grow that crop anymore. So what are the crops that can be grown in that region considering the fact that there is new climatic um, conditions, right? So that is something that we can monitor, right? We can, we can monitor weather anomalies, right? Uh, climatic anomalies. So, um, so that's something that we can actually like, uh, you know, also recommend for farmers, right? And obviously, like, you know, weather alerts and extreme events could help in maybe mitigating those losses, definitely for farmers. And I find that there is really a gap for farmers, for them, for these weather alerts to be available for them, right? So the immediate thing could be that, you know, at least within the season, weather alerts are available, extreme event alerts are available for them, right? But the long term is like, how do you shift also the traditional production, which is certain region known and responsible for certain crop how do they move to certain new crops or if you are interested in growing that particular crop how do we move that this new set of farmers itself right so these are emerging areas that i'm seeing and one example sujit you know last week i just came off a field visit as well talking to farmers and you know this year as you know that monsoon onset has been delayed and uh, you know and, and there is a huge deficit also you know and hopefully i'm really hoping that uh, you know we we'd be able to catch up on that deficit uh, rainfall deficit um, but now like for example the there is a huge difference gap between uh, you know the winter um, you know the harvest of the winter crop or the summer crop and uh, the start of the rainy season right so uh, earlier, it, there, in certain time, you know, certain seasons, we have seen that it's very short also, you know, it's not that it's elongated, this time it's elongated, but last year, for example, between the, um, the, the monsoon and the winter crop, it was shortened, you know, so farmers had to quickly prepare their field. But in anticipating of that, this time also, they thought that it'll, there'll be an early onset of the monsoon, and so they had to quickly prepare their field. And uh, what they so many people like you know burn their you know residue and everything, you know, but had there been like better uh, you know alert system that uh, or communication system, you know maybe they you know they would not have been in that anxious state to prepare it quickly, right? So there uh, I believe that uh, you know infield burning could could be reduced right in those kind of cases. So those are areas, and last week I saw that like, there are many, many swaths of land, like uh, with residue burning, right? And uh, we see the burned residue and we see scars left over. Uh, it's good to, that actually like brings back the, you know, the carbon the char into the soil. So it's this, but it's, that's good, but it's not good for the environment. Right. And there are better ways also like biochar production can also become, you know, like very important aspect in that. Um, so, uh, and what I've also seen is in certain, because of the heat wave that we just experienced, you know, had farmers also like, uh, you know, let some cover crop, right. Um, or some grass growing and things that they could have also protected their soil. You know, now right. we are seeing that some of these soil is reduced to rubble and dust, you know, so, um, and so these are, I think like, uh, you know, ways in which we can kind of like, um, um, help and suggest farmers to improve their own farming practices and there are tools available and there are methodologies available um,
0: so I'm, I'm going to go to the counter uh, side of the whole thing right so there are tools available we know that there are these new emerging methodologies in place uh, there is a way we can we can integrate and, and bring in uh, all farmers including smallholder farmers into an overall program framework so that we can drive adoption. But could you share, based on all the interactions that you have with researchers and agribusinesses across the globe, what are some of the main obstacles in the agriculture ecosystem being able to really truly make this mainstream uh, and, and ensuring that this becomes a way of life rather than still experiments and programs that are running on the fringe to be able to truly drive sustainable farming and helping us build food sustainably
1: right um right that that's a great question so um one thing which i'm seeing uh, and this is uh, you know not only really limited to agriculture but even in other fields is that the uh, data is residing in pockets right like for example uh, if I want to talk about the current soil uh, conditions, right, in different parts of the world, uh, the amount of information that is available at a higher resolution, right, of soil is limited. Now, with I, I mentioned about how some of the new uh, modalities of imaging, of satellite imaging, could help, uh, you know, overcome that, right? So there is definitely a growing need, uh, and which we are also, uh, crop in which we are part of also, is on uh, maintaining a centralized system of uh, whole soil, whole global soil health and uh, soil information, right? So uh, soil becomes a very critical piece in this whole discussion, right? Um, and uh, and that has to be, it, ha- it should not be static, you know, certain of these are static, right? The static data, but you can imagine that soil is changing all the time, right? and so that means that we have to have like, uh, up-to-date data in all of these areas. So that's uh, something which I can see that, and this is not respected, uh, with, uh, restricted with respect to um, soil alone, but uh, even with respect to any data that we can get uh, in, in, in uh, certain regions in the global south, we can see that even um, crop related, uh, what are the crops that are growing that are endemic to that region, what farmers are doing, um, you know, even traditional practices, right? Like they are not very well documented and everything. So there is definitely a need to bring all of that centrally, and it's it's lying in pockets. So there is a centralized uh, way in which it has to be brought. So um, one way in which we are looking at it is can be actually, and all of this data is present out there, right? We are looking uh, within Incropin to integrate all of this knowledge, like traditional knowledge, right? And it's largely getting missed out right and there is a reason why that traditional knowledge has uh, you know has favored a certain kind of practices so and combine that with the recent trends right you're actually looking at an entire uh, system of knowledge base so we we're building that how do we take all of this data and build that knowledge you know which can actually be be a huge storehouse of information which you know from across the globe anyone can query and get that right so that centralized knowledge is largely missing uh, in my opinion uh, for the time being because it's located in uh, uh, in different uh, you know pockets uh, apart from the data <clears throat> but data is like you know satellite data like input data all of that can be um, uh, uh, accumulated And as we speak also uh, this knowledge should also be updated. Like I said, you know, as the climate and weather is changing, I think there is a growing need to update our information on what can and what cannot be grown in a particular region, what are the start and end seasons? So it's like changing that that's also emerging. Right. So those are areas in which like we can, uh, you know, like I I think there is a lot to do there in, in, in building knowledge, a storehouse of knowledge and uh, you know so the recent trends in foundation models and everything is uh, is also gearing up towards that right how do we now certain if you look at language and foundation models it's still uh, you know restricted to training on certain kind of data now imagine that if we are able to centrally build a repository of data and knowledge and then uh, use, you know, some of these foundation models to um, train on, on those data, right? Now, we are actually looking at, uh, you know, getting any kind of information that's possible, you know? Um, so that's actually something which I'm looking forward to. So there is definitely a gap, but there's a way to address that also, right? And
0: Great. and, and, and that, that brings me to my last question in this uh, conversation, uh, Praveen, and, and primarily because... Um, um, uh, this is also a, an area that Cropin's really spending a lot of time and effort to really solve. Uh, and and this is to do with what, what are some of the trends that you see unfolding as technology becomes a key enabler for sustainability programs in agriculture? Do you see adoption of technologies like remote sensing based AI ML solutions becoming mainstream? Uh, or do you see there are other kinds of technologies that will come to play to be able to enable sustainability in the sector?
1: Right, right. Uh, that's a that's a great question. And um, there are a few things which are actually like emerging, right. So um, I can talk about, uh, for example, uh, you know, in, in um, you know, in terms of scale. Now, what I've seen, uh, Sujit, is that there, there is definitely like, you know, more Need for uh, recent like in-field sensors, right? The kind of sensing that we are looking at, which we need also. So that establishes the baseline, like uh, and obviously like it's going to become ubiquitous and usable um, and not restricted to a few. So so that even like farmers around the world can just go and collect data, right? Soil samples and things like that. So that's something that uh, is going to change, and uh, while while that that information is. Um, you know while it is important, it's difficult to look at that from a large scale, right? Like, so, um, if you want to scale it up, then, uh, satellite imaging helps in that area. Right. So we, um, so the re- resolutions of, uh, as I mentioned, the, the spatial, temporal and spectral resolutions are becoming uh, finer, um, and there are more and more different modalities of emerging that are, um, imaging that are emerging. Um, and I foresee that, you know, to, so data becoming more and more, uh, available, right. And at higher frequency and higher resolution. But apart from that, what we also see, um, so definitely in terms of scale, remote sensing is here to stay, right. Like, um, and it's only going to become precise, but what I also see in terms of, uh, AI is that, uh, earlier. Uh, you know, uh, we were uh, talking in terms of uh, task-based understanding based on these data, right? Like uh, given a particular task, uh, you know, trying to identify like, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, build models based on that task that we are trying to solve. Now we are trying to more, uh, you know, build general systems, right? Like we are not there yet, but trying to understand the world of uh, you know agricultural data and also other forms of data that's coming in, um, integrate them together, right? Like it's not these different uh, elements that are coming independently, but bringing that holistically together. And then now trying to understand the, the universe that uh, it is trying to represent, right? Like, so, uh, you know, representation learning is something that is uh, it is uh, that's emerging, and from that is like uh, towards we are going more and more towards uh, you know integrating this and general intelligence also. Right? We are not there yet, uh, but moving away from task-based learning. I'll, I'll give a s- simple example. Like you know, earlier for example, more focus was on yield estimation, right? So you build a model for yield estimation or crop identification or uh, soil health analysis or plant health analysis. So these are canopy level stresses. These are things which we build as individual tasks and models, right? Now that is changing and we want to now understand um, the data that uh, we get as a holistic picture, right? And now we don't want to just under- do it in terms of tasks. So just uh, trying to understand as uh, you know, what it's trying to represent of the world that it's trying to represent, right? So so that uh, is one trend that i generally see and uh, you know and another area is now we are talking about sustainability but we should also mention that monitoring and reporting and validation and becomes a very primordial element right of all of this how do we like monitor them right um, uh, so monitoring can be done using remote sensing then how do we validate them so one trend which is happening is earlier All of that used to be restricted to field audits, you know, like now there are, uh, you know, standards being established and, uh, you know, and it's very difficult to scale some of these standards because they are uh, even these nature-based solutions for and validation, some of these uh, standards, right? It's still at uh, field audit level. Now, really, there is a huge potential for uh, remote sensing and AI to uh, to kind of like be be a game changer in these uh, standardization right um, and that is an emerging area which is also like you know where all of these different uh, you know stakeholders government beat um, um, enterprise uh, uh, who are working with uh, uh, farmers or governments or development agencies or any other bodies right now they can actually like uh, tap into this standard and uh, then we monitor and incentivize farmers in using that, right? So that is an emerging area which I'm really looking forward to, where we have more and more, uh, you know, uh, uh, standards based on remote sensing and satellite imaging, right? Um, and AI based tools, right? So awesome. Um, Bye.
0: Uh, yeah. Awesome, bro! super excited to hear about some of those uh, uh, those emerging areas. And I'm sure as we keep on uh pushing the uh, the edge of possibilities we will bring more and more of these mainstream and i'm sure uh the ecosystem as a whole globally will find a better way to to manage our efforts in terms of growing sustainably uh within this particular sector with that uh everyone we come to the end of this conversation with uh, dr Pankajakshan. it has been an interesting one as in if you if you if you kept uh, abreast of this conversation right from the beginning we started off with uh, how Praveen saw the evolution of sustainability practices, uh, right from it being in the fringe, uh, followed by a few to it, it becoming mainstream, both as a conversation and also in terms of efforts to, to drive adoption around sustainability, what sustainable practices and being able to monitor and manage them. He also touched upon the fact, the, uh, the, fa- the, the aspects of how technology and availability of data, uh, both from ground truth as well as from remote sensing uh, uh, sources, is making it possible for us to have a lot more information to make better decisions. He also touched upon the criticality of being able to bring in small world of farmers, in fact, the entire growing community, uh, as key stakeholders, because at the end of the day, they are the real flag bearers on the field, helping us ensure that we are able to both uh, adapt and adopt uh, sustainable practices, but also help them do this uh, in a more sustainable fashion so that they can continue to build sustainable livelihoods. And last but not the least, we dived into areas that could be blockers in being able to uh, adopt sustainable practices and, 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 and driving these programs and emerging trends around technologies that will truly Enable this uh, this effort that that the sector is undertaking. With that, um, um, I would I would love to say thank you for joining us uh, in this particular episode. Uh, this is just the beginning of this whole series around sustainability. So continue to stay tuned to our Accelerate podcast series and watch out for the next episodes that will continue around this particular area and and deep dive further with other industry practitioners and experts. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Sujit. Wonderful to be here.